When we listen to the enemy over God, when you and I choose to listen to the enemy over the voice of God and the truth of God, we not only lose our strength, but we lose our ability to see. We lose our ability to see. Tonight, we're still in Psalm 90:12. Repeat after me. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's tonight's point. When I dig up dead things, I don't number my days and live with a heart of wisdom. When I dig up dead things, I don't number my days and live with a heart of wisdom. Digging up dead things makes me number my losses. And when that happens, I gain a heart of foolishness. Digging up dead things means that I number my losses. And when I do that, I gain a heart of foolishness. What's the opposite of a heart of wisdom? A heart of foolishness. Okay. Um, I have a twin sister. Don't worry. She looks nothing like me. And I really do. I'll show you pictures later. And uh, her name is Sarah. And uh, she's my best friend. And we've known each other our entire lives. And we've been best friends since we were little kids. And one of the things that we used to do, we grew up out in the country. And we had um, an older sister. And we had four older brothers, right? And uh, we grew up in the 80s, which is like way before your time, I know. But during the 80s, there was this movie that was really popular called The Goonies. And oh my gosh, The Goonies was a legit. How many of you love The Goonies? How many of you want... There we go, there it is. How many of you wanted to always go like find a pirate ship full of treasure and gold, right? So yeah, Goonies was totally me and my sister's life. And so one day, my sister and I were in the backyard... And we were digging for treasure. We were going to find gold in our backyard and hit the mother load, right? And so we're digging one day and we hit something. And we're like, oh. And our eyes get big and we look at each other and I'm like, oh. And we keep digging. And out of a hole, we pull something wrapped in newspaper. And not just any newspaper, the comics from the newspaper. And I'm like, oh, snap. If they wrap this thing in the comics, man, this has got to be good. This is gold. Man, I'm going to be a millionaire before I'm 10. <laughs> and uh, y'all laugh. Come on, you've said the same thing, Shirley. No? And so we dig up this dead thing, and our palms are sweating, and our heart is racing, and our pits are sweating, and we're trying to figure out who's going to unwrap it. And I'll never forget. It was my brother's dead lizard. That had been buried in the backyard. So here we were thinking that we were, true story, we were going to find gold. But instead it was a dead lizard that my brothers had buried. And it was like a dream crusher. I was like, man, come on, that's bogus. And so um, tonight we're talking about this idea of digging up dead things. And you and I would never tell anyone to dig up something. We, we laugh at that story because it's funny. But the reality is that you and I do that all the time spiritually. We dig up dead things all the time spiritually. Like, we might say, hey God, I'm really sorry for being a jerk to my best friend. Will you please forgive me? And God every single time says, yes, Tara, 
I forgive you and I love you. And he's moved on. But a week later, I'm like, gosh, I'm such a jerk. I, I hate myself. I'm a terrible friend. I'm a jerk to my best friend. When I do that, I am digging up a dead thing. Right? Did God forgive me? Did God forget it when he forgave me? So who's the one holding on to it? Me. And that's how we dig up dead things. We dig up dead things looking for life. We run to boys or girls looking for love. We numb out and we escape through drugs, sex, and alcohol. We're digging up dead things. We're going to look at Colossians tonight. Chapter 3. It says this, starting in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked, E.D., as in past tense. Today I rode the golf cart. Past tense. It's something I did earlier. It says, in these you once walked. Past tense. It doesn't say, in these you are currently walking. Right? So why does it say past tense? In these you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Man, irritated me yesterday when the lifeguard said some of the girls were cussing in the pool. That's embarrassing. Seriously? Cussing in the pool at church camp. Obscene talk from your mouth. Put it away. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who's the creator? God, right? So let me ask you this. How many of you were here at camp two years ago? Okay. Two years ago, we did a theme. The theme was death of selfie. And we talked all about this. We talked about killing our flesh. We, We talked about... Killing the sin that so easily entangles the habits, the addiction, the pride, the selfishness, the unforgiveness. You know what? It was incredible. It was awesome. It was awesome as we had a little mock funeral service and we actually had a casket and we played music and and some young men wore white shirts and they dressed up just like they would at a funeral. And it was the real deal. It was a big thing. And we all threw shovels of dirt on top of that casket. You know what? I I really believe God did something that year. I I believe that he set some people free and that he marked us for all of eternity. But here's what happened. You and I went home and the camp high was over and we were no longer living in a cabin full of Christian friends and we were no longer surrounded by these incredible small group leaders who encourage us and grab our water bottles and ask us about our day and we go home to the same chaos and the same 
dead-end punk friends who don't love Jesus and could give a rip about how your life turns out? And instead of walking the narrow path that leads to life, instead of surrendering again and again to Jesus Christ and to his cross and to his word, instead of allowing God and his word to have the number one spot in our lives, we play God. And we do our own thing. And we change the rules of the game so that it fits our agenda. And the only agenda that you and I have is selfishness and pride. Because we're full of sin and we're broken. That's the only agenda. That's why Jesus Christ came. That's why God sent his one and only son. To rescue us from ourselves. Because we need that. I need need more Jesus today than I did yesterday. And I'm going to need more Jesus tomorrow than I did today. That's just how the cycle and the nature of this thing plays out. So is it that God really changed us two years ago and we decided to go dig up dead things? Because I know for a fact what I wrote and put in that casket, I re-dug up. And I played with my sin. And I don't say that pridefully. But I did not wage the war against sin and the enemy of my soul. It was cool while it lasted. But Tara got tired of fighting. And Tara got tired of saying no. And I know I'm not the only one. Am I? We dig up dead things all the time. And the entire time, the narrative of Scripture is this. God is saying, Tara, you're new. I've made you new. Put to death the old self. The old has gone. The new has come. I call you pure. Stop walking in impurity. I call you my child. Stop walking as a rejected orphan. I call you forgiven. Stop bringing it up. But we do that all the time. You know why? Because it's really hard to believe sometimes that God is real and that God is who he says he is. And it's really hard to believe that God could love someone like me. It's easy for me to tell you the truth of God's word. It's a whole other thing for Tara to believe it. I'm not up here because I've got it figured out. I wrestle through this thing every stinking day. And I don't get it right. And it is an all-out battle with my flesh. It is an all-out battle cry for me to sing reckless love of God because I struggle to believe that God loves me. And so because I struggle to believe the truth of God's word, I go dig up dead things and I go seek that same love and attention from guys or from almost anyone else who will give it to me to fill that hole and void in my heart when the entire time Jesus is saying, Tara, I loved you. I've loved you from the beginning. Before you were born, before you took your first breath, I gave you my breath. But rather than embrace the truth of God, I settle for a lie. It says in Romans 1.25 that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And when you and I dig up dead things looking for life, that's what we do. We exchange the truth of God for a lie.
I spent today digging up that casket. I had some help, thank you, Jesus, because one girl would not have made it. It was really hard. It was hot. And I was tired. And I would have much rather been over there at Water Day watching you guys have fun. It took us hours. We hit rocks. There were tree roots wrapped around everything. The ground was hard. Hours. Digging up a dead thing to prove a point. Because see, this is how much God loves you. This is how much. We, we sing it in a song. There's no wall you won't kick down. No shadow you won't light up, right? But I think sometimes that's just words we sing. God loves you so much that he would tell me, Tara, dig up the casket from two years ago. Like, I didn't know where it was, right? Like, I was going to start digging in the wrong spot, man. Thank goodness someone else found it. Hours. Hours. That's how much he loves you and how much he wants to set you free tonight. But here's what we found. The casket was so rotted out, we couldn't even pull it out. This was the most intact piece of that casket from two years ago. Right here. The casket had rope handles on it. Bent down to pull a rope handle. Just completely obliterated in my hand. Couldn't even find any of the papers. They were just gone. They were just gone. And the entire time God is like, see Tara, I'm telling you. I keep telling you that when I forgive you, it's gone. But you keep digging it up. You keep bringing it up. You keep walking in shame. You keep walking in condemnation. That's not on me. That's on you. And you know what else was in the hole? Grub worms. Do you know what grub worms are? First of all, they're gross. Second of all, grub worms are bugs that actually attack the roots of plants and they do incredible amount of damage. So when you and I dig up dead things, we're not only going to find, not find what we're looking for, there was nothing. And there was literally the wood and the red, purple, I don't remember what color it used to be, it was red or purple, I don't know. The cloth we buried with it. That was it. There was no papers, but there were grub worms. And God said, Tara, see, that's how sin is. It's grub worms that attack the roots of, of my love in your heart. And they do incredible amounts of damage. And that's why I keep telling you to lay it down, to kill it, to kill the flesh, to kill the sin. Because it is killing you. It's not that he's a God who doesn't want you to have fun and enjoy life. It's a God who's a good father who loves you and he knows what's best for you and he knows what's best for me. And he knows that when we run to drugs and alcohol and sex and pornography or whatever your flavor is, it will kill you every single time. Grub worms that attack the roots of God's love in your heart. They attack the seeds that House of Faith has planted in your lives for years. Man, we love you guys. We're not just doing this thing because there's nothing else to do this week in San Angelo. We're doing it because we actually love you. And we believe in you. And we see what God wants to do with your lives. 
It's a big deal. Grub worms. Not a single piece of paper. Not a single thing that anyone wrote down. So did God bring it up? And say, oh, hey, Tara. Remember two years ago when you wrote that thing down and then you went home and did it again? Huh. Maybe I don't love you. That's not what God said. God said, see, Tara, I told you. I told you I forgave him that night. When you and I dig up dead things, we will never find what we're looking for. But you know what else we found? The cross. This cross was with that casket. And it wasn't completely underground. It was partially underground because it was planted. But you know what withstood the elements of weather in the test of time? The cross of Jesus Christ. And it will never lose its power. Jesus will never stop forgiving. His blood will never weaken. He's always ready to forgive. He's always ready to love. He's always ready to make clean. He's always ready to make new. But instead of clinging to the cross, instead of embracing the cross, we go around with our caskets digging up crap that will never satisfy. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When you and I dig up dead things, we gain a heart of foolishness. We gain a heart of foolishness. Sin will always lead to death. Jesus will always lead to life. Sin will always lead to death. Jesus will always lead to life. We dig up dead things all the time. We waste our lives asking what if questions. What if I joined a gang? What if my parents didn't get a divorce? What if I dated her? What if I made the wrong choice? What if this whole God thing isn't real? What if I had the courage to live my life for Jesus? What if I knew how much I was loved? What if I never dated them? What if I read my Bible every day? What if I would have said no? What if I just gave up? You know who asked this question last week? Yours truly. Because I was in a pit. I asked it. Because I was done. I was tired of fighting. And I'm glad I didn't. Maybe instead of asking all those questions, we're asking the wrong question. Maybe this is the question we should be asking. What if this God thing is actually real? And what if his word is true and has the power to transform and change my life? What if when I started praying, I actually believed that God heard me and cared about what I had to say? What if my counselor at camp was right when they told me that God loved me? What if I've spent my entire life believing lies? What if, Tara, you've exchanged the truth of God for a lie? What if? What if you and I stopped trying to find the living among the dead? You know the reason we sin, right? We're trying to fill a need that we have. So sin is like a symptom. You know how like when you're sick and your nose is running, you go to the doctor and they're like, Say ah, <laughs> and they look in your ears, and it's kind of annoying, right? She's like, I just don't feel good. Like, just fix me. I want to go home watch Netflix. And, and so they do all this because they look at your symptoms because they're trying to figure out what the deeper thing is, what the infection is, or the bacteria, or the virus. 
They, they take pictures of your busted up ankle because they need to see what's broken. And so sin is no different. Sin is like a symptom of our hearts. And it's when we participate in sin, we've really got to start asking, God, why am I doing this? Why am I tempted to look at girls in the wrong way? And you begin to ask those questions, and God the Father begins to show you that it's because you never had a dad that showed you what a real man looked like. Or whatever, there's always a root issue. And here's the thing about sin, it will never satisfy my all-time favorite verse it, here lately, Proverbs twenty-six eleven, says this: that like a dog who returns to its own vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. So I'm like, man, that's gross. Like if I ever saw my dog do that, I would just give him away. I would give him away to Mark the campers because Mark loves him. And so I researched it one day: why do dogs return to their own vomit? It's because they smell the food. So essentially, dogs are trying to fill a need for their hunger. By returning to their own vomit. Disgusting, right? Well, the Bible says that when you and I keep doing the same sin again and again and again and again and again, we're like a dog that returns to its vomit. Translation, you and I are trying to fill a need that only Jesus Christ can fill and sin will never fill. You know, like when you're really thirsty? And I'm like, man, I just want a Diet Coke, man. Give me a big one. My friends will tell me, Terry, that's just going to make you more thirsty. Get you some water. And you know what? Doggone it, they're right. <laughs> we had a testimony from the crowd. But that's how sin works. Dead things will never satisfy. Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Why would we dig up dead things? Why do we take back what Jesus has already taken? Why do we refuse to let God be God? You ever think about that? If someone's like, man, I'd love to take you to lunch. A lot of times what people say is, "Um, I'm good, but thanks. I'll take you to lunch. Right? Or they want to do something nice for you, and it feels uncomfortable. It feels awkward. But most, most of the time, that's the case because of pride. Because I don't want to let someone else do something kind for me. Why do we do that to God? Why is it so hard for us to believe His word? Why is it so hard for us to believe that God could actually forgive us? Why is it so hard for us to believe that Jesus actually loves us as we are and that nothing, no power of heaven or hell, could ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? You know why? Because we're too busy digging up dead things instead of clinging to the cross of Jesus Christ. When you and I dig up dead things, we bury the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. When you and I dig up dead things, we bury the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. When you and I dig up dead things, past failure, past sin, past disappointment, past friendships that were no good, past relationships, past heartaches, past failures. When you and I dig up dead things, we bury the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. You 
You know, Jesus doesn't hold back. He doesn't give us a portion of his heart. He doesn't give his heart in pieces. He doesn't just love you on the days that you are good. He loves you on the days that you're your worst. He, he doesn't love you more because you did your devotional this morning at camp. His love for you was the same and it was unchanging. He, he doesn't love you extra because you attend House of Faith, although personally, I think that's a perk and pretty cool. He, he just loves you because he made you and he calls you his own. And he loves you and I so much that he paid the ultimate price because the truth is this, that was my cross to bear. That was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Mine. That was my pride and my selfishness and my lust and my impurity and my addiction and my drugs and my alcohol and my bitterness and my anger and my unforgiveness. And the list goes on and on. And in the middle of it all, Jesus has never stopped saying, I love you. I love you. I have more for you. The cross was not a slow death. It lasted hours. Incredibly painful. They mocked him. They stripped him of his clothes and, and they made Jesus stand in the city square and, and they took what's called a, a like a cattail thing and, and basically it's a, a leather ball with metal spikes on it and it's attached to some leather and, and Jesus' hands would be tied and he would be bent over this post. And those people would take that and they would they would they would whip him with it. As literally people stood by and watched. And before you and I are quick to throw shade on that, you and I would have been no different. We would have been in the crowd watching. Not one person offered to step in and take the punishment. Not one person said, time out. Really, this should be my punishment. Not one person took ownership and said, that was my sin. That was my price that Jesus Christ paid. And they beat him again and again. And the metal spikes would, would dig into his back, into the muscles of his back. And when they would pull it off, do you think they pulled it off carefully? No. They laughed and they jeered and they mocked him. And they pulled it off. And it says that the flesh of his back was ripped so bad that it hung like ribbons off of him. They put a fake crown of thorns on his head. Your head that has all kinds of capillaries and all kinds of blood vessels and veins. And they not only put the crown of thorns on his head, but they pushed it down and he bled. And they ripped his beard out of his face. And they spat on him. And they gave him a cross to bear and it was incredibly heavy. And don't think for one minute that they took the time to, to sand the wood so it would be smooth for Jesus. Don't think they thought through, huh? This is heavy and he's got to walk a long way. Why don't we use some lighter wood? They didn't stop to consider all that Jesus had done for them and for their families. Jesus who blessed them and encouraged them and clothed them and gave them food to eat and water to drink. Jesus who never once turned away a child because man, Jesus loves children. And Jesus who never ever saw someone that he couldn't touch, even the lepers. Jesus, the one who provided when there was nothing left. There was no wine left at the wedding. And Jesus, like that, provided. The same people stood back and watched. And it 
was gruesome. And it was painful. And that picture doesn't even do it justice because the Bible says that they beat Jesus up so bad you couldn't recognize him. And the reason that he did that is because he loved you and he loved me and he didn't want us to waste our lives digging up dead things. You're not going to find what you're looking for. You're not going to find love or joy or family by joining a gang or running to a boyfriend or shacking up with your girlfriend. It's all a scam and a lie from the pits of hell. And throughout all of eternity, the narrative of Jesus Christ and his word has never changed. And here's the narrative. I love you and I have more for you. Will you trust me? I love you and I have more for you. Will you trust me? And that's where we land tonight. Because you and I get a choice. It takes a great deal of humility to admit that that was my cross to bear. It's not easy to admit that we go around digging up dead things looking for life. Romans 125. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. 